Welcome to 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. On 3 In, 3 Out, we like to dive deep into the micro moments of the game, the nooks and crannies, if you will, because that's what fanatics do. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bonner. And I'm joined by the great Brandon Schultz and find him at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. All right, Flock, let's dive into the sober yin and raging yang that is three in, three out. Go Hawks. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest, the latest, the greatest edition of three in, three out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, we are 10 and 4. We are knocking on the door of a division championship. Brandon, we took down a fairly, I guess, defensively tough, at least, Washington football team. I almost slipped up, almost got the counter going already, but I, I held it back. But we get the win. We're 10 and 4. Brandon, how are you feeling on this victory Monday? It's the Hell yeah, we're going to the playoffs edition of three in, three out. I like that. I, I like you channeling, you know, immediately going to the uh, the the raging yang and channeling Jamal Adams with his uh, his press conference. And I, you know, Brandon, you bring that up. I want to I want to start somewhere. If, if if I if I may, I I crafted something just last night. I was listening. Put my I put my spectacles on Putting so on I could see. Yeah, so I could see. I feel like this is getting serious here. It, well, you know, this is. It's definitely semi-serious. Uh, you know, you you tell me. Uh, so I, I crafted these words for the audience. Just the important thing to remember is that I wrote these words. Okay, just take that for what it is. Okay, here we go. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. I think I got that right. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Brandon, I wrote those last night thinking about our Seahawks and thinking about Twitter because people are blown up because we're 10 and four and on the doorstep of a division championship. And, and it is if they're, if, you know, I, I channeled the, the yin and the yang and I wrote those words that have never been written before by any other human in that combination ever. I feel like you could take those words and it would be just like an outstanding beginning to some epic novel about the Seahawks. Maybe the 2020 season, maybe the, the Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson era altogether. We, we need to hold on to these because these, these could go down in Seahawks history as really important words from a scholar and gentleman, Clinton Bonner. You gave me a great title just then. You ready for this? I'm ready. A Tale of Two Rain Cities. Hmm? Beautiful. Hmm? Hmm? Right? Right there. You know what? I think, I'll, I, think I will continue and, and probably write some more, maybe even this, this evening, see how far I get along with it. But I appreciate the flock just you know, opening their ears and their hearts and let me, let me pour that out because it flowed out of me last night, Brandon. And, and much like this game, this game flowed, this game had... We talk about it all the time. We talk about the balance. We talk about the ins and the outs. And oh boy, I think three and three out was like made for this game, right? Because this was a tale of two halves and we'll get into it all. At the end of it, a big W. I'm going to channel the energy of Jamal Adams just like you did out of the gate. And Brandon, you know on three and three out that there's only one rule. We've got guidelines. We've got innovations. But heck, there is one rule. Tell the good people what is that one rule, please? There is one rule to rule them all. And it is when we win, we start with an N. 
we start with it in. So let's hop right on over to that first big in right now. What do you say, Brandon? Yeah. Okay, Brandon, so we are starting on the fun side of the ledger, the inside, because we went to 10 and 4. We got the victory over the WFT 20 to 15. Kind of an odd score, kind of an odd game. End of the day, don't really care. It's a victory Monday. Brandon, I am looking at a certain player that showed up early, did it a couple of more times, doesn't typically get the shine as some of the other players. There was some late minute heroics by some folks, but earlier in the game, I want to give this first in to the player that wears number 95. I want to give some love to Mayoa, who I think it was the second play of the game, Brandon, wide receiver screen to McLovin and Mayoa is there too. He sheds his dude so quickly and blows up McLovin so, it looked like effortlessly, just beautifully done. But he did it a couple more times throughout the game as well. So it wasn't just like the one moment for Mayoa, then he was gone. But my whole vibe here is that since Dunlop, since they got Dunlap and Dunlap's been healthy, Mayoa is, it's just, he's, he's playing on a different level where like the pieces come together and Dunlap on the opposite side clearly makes Mayo a better player, frees him up, and boy, oh boy, was he shining early. So the big in, the big tackle on McLovin, speed off the edge, recognition on a wide receiver screen, and blowing things up early in that first series. That first series was a thing of beauty. The end, going to Mayoa for some speed off the edge, blowing at McLovin, and I'm, I'm loving what I saw early from Mayoa. Passing it to you, Brandon. What do you think? I love that uh, Terry McLaurin is McLovin. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, it's beautiful. And I love that it's going to Benson Mayo starting this game off because a lot of times some of these plays like this can get missed, especially when you get to the end of the game. And just to think of what a big play that was early on in the game because they're trying to get Terry McLaurin involved. He is their big play guy. And for Benson Mayo to be right there on a receiver, a very quick receiver too, blowing that up, sending it to third and nine. And, you know, they're able to get out of that and make the, the football team punt it away early on that first opening drive. So, yeah, I love that call out for Benson Mayo. And you're right. As far as him being paired with Dunlap, it's kind of the, the perfect pairing in terms of going into the season. Mayo was not supposed to be the pass rushing defensive end, like the the star guy, right? You had Bruce Irvin that the Seahawks got in the offseason. You're kind of thinking that maybe they'd pair up in, in some way or or maybe they'd be able to re-sign Clowney and, and have him be a complimentary guy. And so now with Dunlap on the team, I think he really does fit into that complimentary role well. And all of it really kind of came together rather late, right? There was, we didn't sign Clowney. There was all this hemming, hemming and hawing. I mean, some people were even writing these... uh these parodies about about why they should have kept Clowney that never made the air, but that's but different for a different story for a different time. There, looking at you, Floctimus, and with that, now you look at this this pretty stout and rotational defensive line that it's just good. I heck, I'm a Seahawks rabid fanatic. I know all these dudes, and I, I could care less if if most most of the NFL and most of the NFL fandom. They don't know who Mayo is. They don't. They don't really. They still probably don't even really know Reed. They don't. They don't know Puna Ford. They they know Snacks only because Snacks has been around a while. But but what a beautiful rotation that's been now amassed that just gets 
for the most part, can get pressure, especially when it counts. We saw that, of course, and is pretty darn good at stuff in the run. So, yeah, man, loving the Mayo with love, hitting, hitting McLovin early, putting the paint on him. And it was nice because McLovin was one of the players I was just like, all right, if they can get that dude going, you mentioned it. He's fast. He's got great hands. He's a very, very good wide receiver. He had multiple targets. He had a couple couple of catches, but for the most part, they shut down the number one weapon and started right there with Mayo. So I would love it. I, would, I, I can't talk today. All right, Brandon. So now we're heading on over to the outside of the ledger. And, you know, the folks who are out there, if you're brand new to three in, three out, we don't look at some of the glaring things that everybody, that all the talking heads are going to talk about you know, ad nauseum all week long, we are going to dive a little bit deeper into the micro moments, often the plays that mattered most or really turn the tide, if you will. So I've got an out here. Always like to paint the canvas with a little liquid white, a la Bob Ross. You get your Vanguard brown ready, you mix it up and you hit the canvas with the knife and you fire it in there. So it's an out. It's at this point, Seahawks are up 20 to three. It's in the, it's in the third quarter, right? So this is why when I write these things down, I don't care what the score is. I don't care what the momentum seems like at that time. I don't have a sexy deep crystal ball to see what's going to happen next. I just write the stuff down when I go, that's a marker. That play should have been made or that was amazing or it was, it was something you know mon monumental and I want to talk about it. So down 20 to 3, it's in the third quarter. We do a little check down to Hyde. Now, Hyde catches the ball. He's got a lot of momentum going horizontally, so coming towards towards uh, the, the TV screen uh, sidelines. However, he takes like forever in a day, like Acme style, like, you know, like Roadrunner or, or Wiley Coyote style, where he takes forever to turn up field. And by the time he does turn up field and starts going north or south, he's just got to get like three, three and a half yards to get a, to get a first down. He just doesn't get there. And it, it just, it, it frustrated the crap out of me that once again, the knowledge of where are you on the field? I realize it's a bit slippery. We saw, we saw some, we saw some Redskins defenders on ice out there actually, which is, which is kind of humorous. Ooh, count um, number one. Oh, oh, dang it. <laughs> dang it. The heck. All right. Well, that's on me. I'll take a drink. Uh, we saw some Washington football team players out there. Uh, apologies. And on ice and, um, and that didn't really happen to us all too often. However, on this play, Hyde catches a little, a little dump pass. Looked to me like it should have been an easy, easy conversion. He gets stopped short and we punt the ball away. This again, this is 20 to three in the third quarter. We are driving with the ball and then we got to give the ball back. We all know how this game ended, which was a little bit too close. So for me, it's like, Hyde, you got to convert those plays. Happened last week with Disley. Disley had a chance to have a third down ended up being like down by an elbow where it was when he caught the ball it's like dude you clearly could go make that first down so this is another one for me brandon hyde's got to wear that o because it ended up leading to a huge momentum shift even if we didn't realize it when it was taking place first of all i love the term dump pass i i just i, I don't know there's something about it that i just love and it was a third and four and and russell throws it out to hyde they're trying to pick up the first down, and I have in my my out column my my own little ledger, Clinton. I have out whoever is responsible for not getting some points after getting to midfield after the DJ Reed pick. 
And it turns out that, you know, you could maybe go back to first down, but really it was this third down play that uh, that Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Penny gets no yards on first down on the run, but then he picks up six on second down. So it's a, it's a third and manageable. And Carlos Hyde has to be able to pick up this first down on third and four. He has two tacklers there and he just comes up one yard short. They end up having to punt it away. And yes, this was the time after the interception to put the game away because you get up 27 to three. There is no coming back from that. You don't have any issues when it comes down to the last possession of the fourth quarter. This was the time to put the game away. You know, it perfectly, perfectly stated. And thank you for bringing the, the momentum side back to it because you are 100% right. It was after that beautiful read, that read made beautiful, beautiful interception. That was a heck of a play, by the way. And then turns the field and gets, gets 20 more yards. But that's it, man. Like everybody, you know, th- there was so much on Twitter of like, well, we didn't step on the throat. And we'll talk. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in, in an upcoming out. And with that, Brandon, it's, it's also about execution. It's also about like just making the plays that were there in front of us. And this one stood out to me. So glad that you had nailed it too, because that was the exact time, even 20 to three, even 23 to three, I'd be like, eh, you didn't, you didn't really put the, put the nail in the coffin. That was the time to march it right down there, go up 27 to three and do what great teams do. We, we are a very good football team, but we need to be great. Yeah, and it's tough to give the out to Carlos Hyde, the guy that had the 50-yard touchdown run. He only had two carries on the day. One of them was a touchdown. So, But I couldn't help but think of Hyde when it came to the out column in this game. There was that third down catch. There was another third down catch where it went off his hands. It was third and seven, and yes, it was a dart by Russell and... And maybe, you know, he just couldn't quite uh, get his get his mitts on it, but it was right between the numbers. And man, two big third down plays. So, yeah, if if you're going to not even call out the other third down play, there's that third down play where he just needed a yard. And yeah, in both situations, it came down to just minor little execution type issues for Hyde that could have helped the Seahawks continue drives and potentially put the game away a lot earlier. This is why you are the true MVC of this show, because you're bringing that up also. I also had that on the ledger, kind of tucked in. It was a bit of a, a bit of a turducken out going on there, too. I figured too. you couldn't give two outs. I, I, I know, yeah. you know we do three outs. I, I figured two wouldn't go to hide. Correct. No, you're 100% right, right there. And you're also right to call it out, because that was a nifty little play by Russ to kind of escape some, escape some pressure, bleed out to his left-hand side. Yeah, he threw a dart, but he threw the dart literally between his hands, right? And right right between his hands, like, don't throw it to stone hands. And it was, you know, credit to Hyde that he ran a good little route and he was right at, he was basically at the eight yard marker, right? Mm-hmm. Perfectly there through his hands. And that's, that, at that point, it was 20 to 15 in the fourth quarter. So we got these, this bookend, this nice little symmetry going, which is actually some awful symmetry for, for the out to say 20 to three, Q3, Hyde doesn't execute. 20 to 15, Q4, Hyde doesn't execute. You know what? That big O scarlet letter, I don't give, I don't, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn about the, about the 50-yard run because any of our three backs, maybe even including DJ Dallas, our fourth back, I hope he heals quickly, could have busted that for at least a huge gain, probably a home run because the blocking was so darn good and a Washington football team player slipped on the play, caught myself that time. So whatever on, on the touchdown, the O is Hyde's. He's got to own it. 
Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the tale of two rain cities, the whole thing already, Brandon. Feels harsh to give uh, the big scarlet O to Carlos Hyde, but you know what? He can bounce back from it. We can see big things coming from him. And just as we can see big things coming for the rest of the show, Clinton, it is a win. We've got two ins coming up, two outs coming up. We're doing two and two after the break. Nice. The Woolery. Okay, Brandon, we are back and we are on the inside of the ledger, the sober, no, 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 sorry, the raging Yang. I'm all, I'm all sixes and sevens today here. So the raging Yang. All right, let's paint the canvas once again. Six, nothing, about four minutes to go. And in, in quarter number two, it's one of those games where like, I don't know, Brandon, I loved what I saw early. I didn't love settling for field goals, but at the same time, I wasn't upset with like, all right, well, we, we took a field goal there. All right, well, we converted a couple third downs and we took it. We're up six. No, took, took a field goal there. Then we put together this touchdown drive to go up 13, nothing. And one of the plays in there, we talk about execution all the time. He, the, the in is not going to a player that I've been railing against, but he, he was heavily involved in this play. It's a third and three wide receiver screen to David Moore. It, you know, it's nicely tossed. And Brandon, I think he catches it with a little momentum, actually. Yeah. You know, starting to go north, which is what you call that out last week. So that was an improvement as well. However, I always want to look at the execution. It's kind of just, you know, that is the nook and the cranny where the butter likes to jut down and, and meander about. Go back and watch that play. Go look at the blocking. It didn't go for, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown. But the blocking by Metcalf, I think it might have been Lockett also. I'd love for you to, if you do know, i pretty darn sure it was Metcalf on one dude. I think it was Lockett as the other dude, or maybe it was a different wide receiver. Maybe it was Hollister. I don't even know. But there is some beautiful blocking executed on that third and three. He goes for well more than the three yards. The drive continues. Beautifully set up. Good timing. The first half of this game, the first like, yeah, basically the first half, we looked quicker. We looked, we had, we had more snap. We, we had better, much better pace. We were coming in and out of the, out of the huddle quicker. We were doing no huddle. There were, and, and when we were doing the little stretch plays to the sideline, we did it with a quickness, which we've been lacking a couple of times this season. So I love seeing this. But again, the execution on the blocking is where the in goes to. I know it's Metcalf. I think it's Lockett, but they're getting the in. Great execution and a really nice play call at the right time. Yeah, and really this drive as a whole, this touchdown drive that ended with the throw to Jacob Hollister in the end zone, there were only two third downs that they had to convert on this entire drive. And one was that third and three to David Moore to keep the drive going. Like you mentioned, the excellent blocking. And the next was the third and seven throw to Hollister in the end zone that got the touchdown. So this it, it does kind of speak to the whole efficiency of, of the, the plan that the Seahawks had in this game. And, and you heard Pete Carroll talk a little bit about it after the game. You heard him talk about it in the Pete Carroll show on the radio on 710. This was the plan. And you could see it because Russell Wilson, his first half stats, it was 11 to 16 for 71 yards. It's nothing spectacular. And at one point, I'm wondering, up 20 to 3, is Russell Wilson even going to break 100 yards in this game? Because is he even going to need to the way that the defense was playing, the way that the run game was working, and the way that, you know, Haskins just wasn't able to, to get this team into the game? So I do think that, that this one drive 
and and the catch and the blocking by David Moore, it kind of speaks to what the Seahawks were trying to do. They were they were trying to neutralize that Washington defensive line, get the ball out quickly, and rely on blocking and and execution. And if they continued to do what they did in the first half into the second half, yes, this this isn't a tale of two halves, Clinton. This is just a, a full complete game by the Seahawks. And and I think it's so so epically close to being a blowout that that's what sends people off the edge and 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 gets people depressed when they're when they're looking back at this game that it wasn't quite good enough. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I had the same feelings. I'm like, I was pissed the game was close. I'm like, this game has no business being close. There's no way they should even have a shot to win this. However, that's where we were. It's where we found ourselves. But we we still get the the gritty W, which is which is fantastic. But the other big one there too is gotta remember Montez Sweat made a, a really nice play on that one interception. That was another drive that Seattle had good momentum, was moving the ball quite successfully. Montez Sweat gets his giant paw in the hand, it gets deflected in the air, and the Redskins get that pick and they march down and, and number they two. Take it. Oh, <laughs> dang it. Oh, I really I, I gotta go get to dip. I'm throwing my pen. That's how pissed off I am. All right. Number two. Let's just get to the next thing. Okay, Brandon, I I, did the ref, the ref arm go up. I go to the sin bin for two minutes. I feel shame for once again, calling out the wrong name. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wear the O on that one. Shame on me. I should know better by now, or I should just rehearse it. You know, separations in the preparation as we talk about, right? I mean, you know what? I'm not going to blame you completely because, you know, football team is really just a generic term. And it's, it's really hard to take it seriously as an actual team name, because, you know, as I, as I've named shows throughout the season, you know, it's Seahawks versus Eagles, Seahawks versus Rams, Seahawks versus Cardinals. And then I get to, do I put, do I put football team? That is their name, right? So yeah, I guess it's, it's a football team preview. And, and you know, that the thing is, as uh, Andre Agassi uh, said, I think it was the, the Canon rebel commercials for the, the camera image is everything, right? So what I have ingrained in my brain after 42 years is their sweet ass logo, right? The the native Indian, that is a beautiful, beautiful logo and with the awesome feather and the whole thing. And that that is a gorgeous emblem. So it's hard for me, a kid of the 80s and 90s who saw these teams, you know, raise multiple Lombardies it's hard for me to, to get that awesome imagery out of my head because I loved it. I, even though that was not my team, I respected their getup. I respected their outfit. Now to see it washed away, well, you know, it case case yes, well, and they, I, and they I, keep I, the I, colors. It would be one thing altogether if they went with football team and they went with you know black and white uniforms to to know to signify the generic you know the the toasty O's version of the, of the Cheerios that was formerly the Washington franchise. So yeah, it is interesting, and and I do wonder if we'll see that change in the future. But for now, yeah, it's the football team. Oh, we're we're gonna see that change. There's way too much money out there to get to get that brand new branding out there. They're not dumb, you know, after <laughs> all. So might have taken a while to make the change, but they're but they're not they're not that dumb. So I look forward to uh whatever the heck they they do name it so I could I could stop making the mistakes. And speaking of mistakes, so I want to give this is we won. So this is kind of one of those uh, those times where we could talk about an out, but we could really maybe, maybe mold it a bit. So I'll get to the out. I'm going to call out Cedric Abuehi on and out. Now, you might be like, what in the world? The dude coming off the bench and et cetera, et cetera. I get it. I get it. Again, we're talking about the micro moments. There was a toss sweep right 
to Chris Carson, where, oh, let's see, Hollister seals off his guy. Real nice block, nice interior block. Metcalf seals off his guy. Ooh, we're looking good and toasty on the outside there. Cedric Abuehi decides, I'm going to just, I'm going to put it out there that it was a decision. <laughs> like he, he thought about this to look, to look at two Washington football team defenders. And he decided to block neither. Like he didn't commit to the guy that was kind of on his inside. He looked at him. It was like, nah, he's like, mind if I dance with your dates? And they just ignored, they just ignored <laughs> the guy. Then he looked at the guy in his outside. Then he turned back to his inside and basically tried to block the guy in the back, shoving the guy right into Carson for a, lo- a loss of four. Um, the play just stood out to me on a day where Abuehi didn't stand out and we could applaud him for not standing out versus the Sack Brothers, right? Versus Sweat, versus uh, Chase Young, versus them Sack Brothers out there. We didn't hear Abuehi's name called, but this was, this was, you know, too legit to quit. Too... It was too egregious not to call out. So Abuehi's gotta, he's gotta make a choice there. He's gotta block somebody. You block nobody, you get the O. I, I just love that your love fest for Chris Carson. Like he has two negative plays on the day. And so so you have to you have to dial in on one guy responsible for one of those two negative plays by Chris Carson. And it just happens to be. Cedric Obwehi in this case, a guy who, as a matter of fact, by Pro Football Focus's account, was the third highest graded player on the team, the first highest graded offensive lineman on the day. I would not have expected that to be the case because of his history. But yeah, the the way the Seahawks game planned against this Washington defensive line, it, it set up the offensive line well. It it kept Russell Wilson, relatively clean. He only had one time where where an offensive lineman was credited for a hit. I, I think he only had three hits on him, zero sacks, but only three plays where he was touched. And, and just one of those hits was credited to an offensive lineman. So then, yes, you go to the run game and Abwehi on this play. I, I will allow it, Clinton, but I, I'm, I'm pointing out your bias in this. My bias is... Very, very out there. It is. It is known. They, I'm not trying to hide my my uh, Chris Carson bias. The world knows this, uh, and you are 100. I'm, I'm okay with you calling it out. And you know, the love fest after an in is that we can turn this and say, "Hey, man, the guy played pretty good. Yeah. The boy played pretty damn well." And I agree. We were getting the ball out quick. Another thing I really liked about Russ's game, specifically in the first half, was. He'd go through one, two, you know, one, two dudes. He had a timer in that head and it wasn't the skittish, let me drop back six more yards and do a pirouette and try to find my way. He was kind of like a, like Arian Foster, one cut go Russ. It was like, okay, that's not there. I got a lane. I'm gone. I'll make one cut and I'll slide. He had a, a nice first down pickup. I think in the first quarter, he actually had that he obviously had that 38 yard or you know close to 40 yard run right. a little bit later in the game. So I, I I agree that they drilled into their heads. Let's be a little bit quicker. Again, for me, it was so much about that first half about being quicker, getting the ball out faster, looking for the underneath stuff. And it works so well in the first half. And you know what? Abuye takes the out on this one little play because he let, he let my dog out there to uh, to not have a shot. So Abuye, you take the O and don't do that to my dog. Carson's my guy. 
Carson is your guy. Don't mess with him. That's a note for all Seahawks offensive linemen. If Clinton is light on outs and you let Carson just suffer a four-yard loss in this game, Clinton's going to be looking for you. Yeah, I'm putting you on blast. All right, Brandon, we are into the final in. We are back on the good side of the ledger. Listen, I I love me some good compound. You know what I like about investing? I like some compounded interest when you roll it in and then you invest in it and then it rolls in. You invest more and it get, that gains value. And then by the time you're like 56 years old, you're smoking a cigar and you're on a moped somewhere. At least that's that's what I see for myself. You could you do you. But but I like also a compounded in. So I love, I mean, listen, the late, the late second heroics by Dunlap. He blows his dude off the ball, right? Whoever that that right tackle was. Right tackle? Yeah, right tackle. Blows his dude off the ball, drives him backwards, leaps and bounds into the the belly area of Haskins. All of that to get the sack is like, yeah, that's good. I want to go one layer deeper into that sack and into, into something else happening around that sack. First and foremost, Brandon, did you see where Carlos Dunlap's left hand was as he was midair? Like, where did his left hand go in midair during that sack? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Left hand as he's rushing the 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 passer, like as he's driving into Morgan Moses, the, the right tackle. Yes, he, he split Moses like like Moses split the Red Sea, he split the dude himself. But I'm saying as he's getting to Haskins, where is Dunlap's left hand? And by the way, it's not by accident. I, I just remember him just bull rushing Moses. And so I'm, I'm picturing just his left hand being on the shoulder pad of of Moses. But maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. Well, it is for a bit. And then when he when he disengages Moses, when he says, I'm, I'm through with you as a human being, you could go over there and, you know, and just put a dunce cap on you, your big dumb dumb because you look like an idiot. And he, he goes all Superman style when he's when he's hitting Haskins, his left hand is nearly punching the ball out. Go, 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 go. Rewind. It's like Haskins has it kind of starting to tuck it away in his right hand. He's almost punching the ball out with his left hand. I'm like, damn. And it's not by accident. It's not just some happenstance or coincidence. He is actively seeking the ball while he's putting a beautiful hit on him, Superman style. And then after he gets the sack, what does he do immediately after the sack, Brandon? I feel like you've watched the sack way more than I did. I, I watched it the one time when it happened during the game. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give it to you. This is some homework for you and the flock out there to go rejoice. This, it is, the, it is the, the Christmas and the Hanukkah and, and the, the holiday season. It is time to rejoice. So right after the sack, I mean immediately after, he does a somersault, forward somersault in celebration and then begins his celebration. Uh, Joe Fan calls it out in a beautiful tweet that he had where he puts the, he puts the gif in there, the highlight. But he gets the suit. It's a, it's a trifecta. He, it's actually a quadfecta. He blows Moses over. He parts the Red Sea of Moses. He goes Superman style. He almost punches the ball out with his left hand. Then he does a somersault directly in stride to start the, the sack celebration, knowing that it's a walk-off sack or nearly a walk-off sack at least. Yeah, they still had fourth down. But yes, I, I yeah, like how you're, you're uh, putting all of these, you know, defeating Moses. Uh, Superman defeating Lex Luthor. Uh, I, I mean, how many more superhero type references can you can you plug into this 
into this final in Clinton. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about if, if people didn't hear Pete Carroll on his in his post game show on, on 710 today, he was talking about just how on this particular play, Carlos Dunlap, he, he had exactly what he was going to do because Moses had gone out earlier in this game. He was hurt. He had come back in. And this was Dunlap's opportunity to test him. And he had it in his mind that this was this was the moment that he was going to see if Moses was was feeling right coming off his injury. And that is why he bull rushed him in this moment and why he was just able to demolish, like you say, part the Red Seas of Morgan Moses and ultimately get the sack on third down and help seal this game. Yeah, lovely, lovely. And I, and I love that Pete was talking about it. I didn't know that. And I love the fact that he kind of reserved it, right? That it was like he kept it in the tank and then was like, all right, let's, let's see what he's got. I think this dude's banged up. And then he brings out kind of, you know, he, he brought out the Hellman's there, right? He brought out the best and, and he, he does just, he just does bulldoze him over. However, you did ask me how many more superhero, you know, supernatural type folks can, can I get into this conversation? Well, I've got one more, you know, they, they say like, you know, the, the adage that, you know, it takes a community to raise a barn. Another thing to go back and watch on this particular play, which is, if not the biggest, certainly one of the biggest plays of the game, is the penetration that Reed is getting right next to Dunlap. So yeah, that the assist to, to the Robin to, to Dunlap's uh, Batman there, and he crumples that up. And, and if it's just Dunlap and there's like a little escape pod and Haskins can get out, this could be a completely different ball game. So Reed gets it. You know where I saw this a lot, Brandon? I'm sure you watched a little of the Jets game, a little of that Jets-Rams game later in the day, which was a lovely, lovely outcome. How many times did we see Aaron Donald get really good disruption, but then all of a sudden, Sam Donald had a little escape route and he got out and either made a play downfield or made a play with his feet, which was lovely to watch. But it just it, every time I saw that, it just reinforced for me that Reed really was kind of a co-captain on that in. And it was a huge part as to why Dunlap could get home and get home so quickly because Haskins had nowhere to go. Yeah. When Aaron Donald is the only guy in the backfield, it, it, you did see from the Jets how they were able to and kind of work around that. And yeah, that offensive line, had, it struggled with Aaron Donald, but they were ultimately able to get the win because of it. And yeah, so yeah, if we're if we're including people with with ins, you know, Carlos Dunlap, he gets the in. Reed, he he's an assist to the in, and hey, an in to the Jets for taking down the the LA Rams. Yeah, you know, the Jets, I'm a Long Islander. The Jets are a team I I pretty much loathe. However, however, this Sunday, oh man, I was bleeding green with the rest of you. That was that was a beauty. J-E-T-S. Yes, the Rams suck. All right, Brandon, we're on our last out. And when you get the W, 20 to 15 in a gritty victory versus a team that's won four in a row where you had to get on a plane, go cross country, play, play not at your home field. You get the W, you're in first place, you get your 10th victory, you clinch your playoff spot. And you get ready to go play your rivals, the uh, the uh, your quote unquote rival Rams as they're coming into your territory. You get back on the plane, you're happy. However, we got to talk about this last out because it was probably the the biggest overarching feeling of the whole day. Before you and get there, I, I just picture like all of the Seahawks. They've come in for their Wednesday meeting. 
after their day off. And, and Pete Carroll's, you know, he got the Bluetooth speaker fired up. He's playing the field goals podcast, three in, three out. The players have, have you know, listened to who we've given the ins to, who we've given the outs to, and you have a final out. And I just, I picture like the, the beads of sweat rolling down the individual players as they, they just, they're hoping that it's not them in this third out column of the ledger. Who's it going to be, Clinton? Well, you know what? I think I think Pete and, and potentially Shoddy, maybe they got to turn that Bluetooth speaker up to 11 to drown this one out because the out for me is the idea that we could be so quick and and for the most part, I thought quite crisp in the first half and bulldoze, bulldoze what was supposed to be a tough, really resilient, you know, tough as nails defensive line. We had our way with them all the way into the start of the second half with Hyde's 50-yard touchdown run. And then we turn off the faucet. And we talked about it earlier. It wasn't like we we couldn't execute it. We didn't have chances. There was an interception. There was just some execution issues. But the big thing for me is we got away from our catalyst players. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. You didn't execute. Hey, Hyde didn't pick up that first down. Hyde dropped that first down. All right. Montez Sweat got, got his big mitts on one of those balls. All right. However, when I look at touches and targets, Tyler Lockett had, I think it was four receptions in the first 17 minutes of the game. So we're talking about a quarter and two minutes in. He was already targeted like four or six times or five or six times, had four targets, was big time involved. Chris Carson was carving them up early and often. He had 10 carries in the first half. We flipped the script, and what did Lockett have? A reception in the second half, and Carson had five, five touches. I'm not, I'm not even sure he had a catch. He had in one the catch half. and five carries. Yeah. Okay. So it was a having of Carson's uh, potential productivity, right? Like just calling it that. Like his attempts were halved, and Lockett was just not involved in the game in the second half, which it just seemed like it it broke down for me because the first half, let's play quick. Let's get the ball out. Let's take what they're giving. Let's use the middle of the field. Second half, let's do none of that. Let's go back to the DK Metcalf show, which, you know, he had, he had a couple of great slants and a couple of nice catches and I get it. You want to want to mix them in. That's fine. However, where's the, the philosophy that, you kind of go, you know, when you got a running back, you're like, well, that guy's got the hot hand. Go with him. He's got the hot hand. Where was the philosophy for there to be a game where it was like a 16-target game for Lockett, where it was a 22-24 rush attempt game for Carson, and we just blow the doors of this team with what we could take, which what we proved, proved over and over and over again was there and was ours for the taking, and we took in the first half. We abandon it, and I just don't get it. Now, somebody smarter than I might go back and look at it all 22 and be like, you know, the football team did X, Y, and Z. Nice job of taking away this, that, and that, and made Seattle pivot. Show me the, show me the tape. I don't believe it to be true. I think we abandon what was working well, and then we end up in a close game where there was no business in being close. We still had execution issues, but boy, oh boy, we shouldn't have even been there in the first place. I think you're onto something here, Clinton, because it was that first drive after the interception by DJ Reed where they, they got the football and they're you know just about at midfield. And rather than continuing to go with Carson, 
it was what? It was a Rashad Penny run back to back and then the throw to Carlos Hyde, which you you nailed in the out section. So Chris Carson, not a part of this. Tyler Lockett, not targeted on this particular drive. There is a time to get Rashad Penny involved in this game coming back from his injury because you want to see what he has. Yeah, maybe it was up 27 to three or, or 23 to three rather than just 20 to three because they hadn't quite put the game away just yet. So maybe they flipped that switch over to Penny just a little bit too early. And gosh, you know, when I when I think about just flipping away from what they were doing a little bit too early, it was on that drive in the fourth quarter when it was 20 to nine and they're starting to move the football. You had passes to DK Metcalf. And, you know, it was it was kind of the DK Metcalf drive. They had Carson in there. He had a three yard run, but they're at the Washington 39. Here it is. This is the time that Shoddy. And, and so I like how you you called out Pete and Shoddy maybe is potentially in on this, too, because they went away from what they were doing. You could tell on that first and 10 play. This is when Shoddy said, OK, we're going for the kill shot right here. They mm. got away from those quick passes, the quick throws, and Russell Wilson decided not to take the deep ball, and he was looking to Carson over on the right side, and that's when it was tipped by Montez Sweat. If they had just continued to go with the the quick passing game, continued to plug along in the run game, maybe that drive continues and you don't have the interception. Stick with what was working. Don't worry about going for the kill shot in there. Continue to run time off the clock in the fourth quarter and get the win. Don't give them a chance to get back in it. And yeah, so I, I'm on board with you for this out. Well, thank Well, you know, one out of three is not bad, right? So I, li- I like that you're there, but, but I, maybe, I, I was with you on the first one too. <laughs> Come on now. You, okay. Even two out of, well, we got the meatloaf then, right? Two out of three ain't bad. So I want you, I need you, you know, you know, the rest of the, the rest of that ballad. Uh, and you broke it down really, really nicely there. So very well, very well stated and great, great job getting into those, those moments. What I wanted to do was kind of focus on why did we all feel that way? Mm-hmm. You know, Twitter is a great and terrible medium, right? It's, it's people venting and talking about, you know, feelings and emotion. And, and it's very difficult unless you start a long thread and really can analyze what's happening about why we all collectively basically got to the same space of how did this come to be? How this happened? Why why are we at the edge of our seat? Why are we a little when, bit disappointed even though we won and we're in the playoffs? Correct. Why At 10 and four, we just clinched. Why are we still like, man, we, we are on the cusp of something really, really good and yet we just don't seem to want to take it. And in this case, it was exactly that. Just keep, if they're going to give it to you or, or you've exposed something and it's working, well, you know, I think Yogi Berra said it, said it best and everybody knows if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right, Brandon, we are winding down 2020 already. That's uh, it's kind of crazy to think. And we're sitting here, we're sitting here now at 10 and four. And one of the one of the innovations of the year was not only that when we win, we start with it in. We've always had that on three and three out. But this year we knew we needed a little extra cheer, a little less coal, one more lottery scratch ticket in that stocking. So let's stuff it in there. We invented something called the brand in where when we win, 
you get your very own call out. I don't know what you're going to go to, but this is your show. Take it away. What is the brand in for, for this beautiful W versus the Washington football team? All right, Clinton. Well, my in this week, and, and the reason why we did this is because I, I just didn't like ending with an out. And when it is, because I, I like to finish on a positive note. So I, I probably just smooshed it in there every single week. You got tired of me of turning an out into an in. And you're like, OK, already just take an in for crying out loud so you can finish this off the way I know you want to finish this off. And yes, my my in is for DJ Reed. I didn't want to go with the interception because this is three and three out. We're getting into the nooks and crannies. So I really wanted to dig in on just the kind of day DJ Reed had because it wasn't just that one interception, which was a really nice play, the way that he was carrying with McLaurin down the field. And, and Pete even talked about it again. And I, I talked about it with Bill after the in the post game of how I, how much I like this particular play that he came off McLaurin. And it just shows what kind of player that Reed is that we just haven't seen from our other corners that he's he feels comfortable enough that he's like, OK, my responsibility is covered. But hey, can I do something else? And he could have just been the guy to carry McLovin down toward the end zone <laughs> and allow the the other defensive back to to cover his guy. But no, he steps in front of the football, makes the pick. And yes, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but OK, <laughs> he got the pick. Let's get into the crannies, though, of how good of a day it was for DJ Reed. Let's and, hear it. And sometimes, Clinton, a, a measure of a good cornerback is just how little of them you see on the field, right? Because if they're doing their job well, quarterbacks aren't throwing at them. And, and really, so you don't see them in, unless they're doing something exceptional, like like the interception. But DJ Reed on this day was targeted more than any other Seahawks player on defense. Haskins threw at DJ Reed 10 times. And, and maybe it makes sense, right? Because he's the guy opposite of Shaquille Griffin. He's the guy getting the start at outside corner. Maybe you want to test him. Maybe with McLaurin, especially on the field, you want to test him. But of those 10 throws that went Reed's way, only four were caught. So 40%, he only allowed 40% of the catches going in his direction. And of the 13 players on the Seahawks defense who were thrown at in coverage, that was the lowest percentage of all the Seahawks. So yeah, okay, Benson Mayoa, he gave up one catch uh, on, on J.D. McKissick. It was for no gain. And so he, he, he allowed 100% of the receptions. That puts him more toward the top, even though it was for no gain. But I, I just like the fact that of... 10 times going his direction. He only allowed four catches. And not only did he only allow four catches, it was only for 15 yards on the day. So he finished number 12 on the team in terms of yards per reception. I mentioned Mayoa allowing 100% of the throws going his way. It was one catch. Yeah, zero yards. Uh, so that was the one guy that was below him for yards per reception allowed. Mayoa with zero. And right above him, DJ Reed with 3.8. So it was just a, a tremendous day for DJ Reed, a 5'9 guy starting opposite corner of, of Shaquille Griffin, where you just don't see smaller corners get the start. And it sounds like Pete Carroll is going to continue to have Reed out there opposite Shaquille Griffin. And I, I love that he's allowing Reed with, with this chip on his shoulder to continue to play because I saw enough of him up against McLaurin. Five targets to McLaurin. He only allowed two receptions and it was only for seven yards. 
I love, so this is why the brand that exists people, right? This is, this is why we, we you get the soapbox, you earn the soapbox and, and you could, you could go off and go deep on this as well and, and bring the metrics and stats to the forefront. The, the, besides the bait and switch interception, which is, which is beautiful. So much of his game is also just really instinctual. He's the, he seems to be a very, very solid blend of enough athleticism, like certainly an athletic guy. You don't, you don't oh, yeah. make it to that level without being, without being quite athletic. So certainly enough athleticism, but a lot of head smarts, a lot of, a lot of being able to, in the, in the case of the interception, he baited Haskins into throwing that ball. He, he, the guy seemed open until he wasn't type thing, right? Beautiful, beautiful job to understand, read the eyes and then break on that, make, make a heck of a play. The other ones also, it wasn't like the dinks and dump dinks and dumps. Yeah. The, the old dump pass. It wasn't the dinks and the dunks. They were, he was making breakups down the field in the end zone, you know, corner outs, et cetera, et cetera, over and over again. So yeah, I, I read to me shine through so dramatically uh, he played, he was probably the player of the game, just straight up. Like he was the best player on the field all day long. And boy, oh boy, did he, did he stand out? Love the fact that Pete is saying early, Hey, this is probably it, right? Dun- Dunbar comes back, whatever. Trey comes back healthy, whatever. Our best two are probably what we saw this week. And he got, he got McLovin quite a bit there. And McLovin is a darn good wide receiver. So love what I saw from Reed. Love that it's the brand in. That dude deserves it. And for the, the, the cherry on the cherry on the cherry on top that we get him off of like a scrap heap because the Niners didn't want to be patient with him after an injury. So I love that in week 17, DJ Reed could be the, the opposite corner starting Beside Shaquille Griffin, and who knows what's going to happen in that game. But you know, well, he had the interception when he was playing against the Niners in the the, the first time. But now to go from that to be kind of the the fill in nickel roll type guy to being the starting corner, perhaps in Week 17 against his former team. Ooh, I, I just love that he's he's got a little bit. He's got that chip on his shoulder. And listening to him in the post game press conference, you can you can hear it and feel it. And hearing Pete Carroll talking about how much he reminds him of Doug Baldwin and just the type of fire that Baldwin has too. I I'm he's he's on my watch list now for one of my favorite players on the defense. I like it. So we, there's maybe like T minus a few more weeks until until a Reed jersey is uh is 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 on your back. Maybe, maybe for maybe. maybe it just it may be happening. Very cool. Very good. So so with that, Reed will not be getting the MVC only because the MVC being the most valuable cranny, you know, not to say that a brand, actually, I think, I actually do believe that we already gave an MVC I think to the a first Brandon, one. But yeah, I think the first Brandon was an MVC. It won't be this one this week only because while you went deep and, and I love, I love the nooks you dove into, Reed was kind of the superstar of the game. So it won't, he won't be the MVC. The MVC, of course, is the most valuable cranny. We talk about this every week. It's a real thing. There's a physical award that gets shipped out to the Seahawks. They have it in their locker room. They celebrate. They get around it. It's all over Instagram. You just got to search for it. It's there. It's very, very real. The NBC this week with the drum roll. I'm going to give it to the blocking combination on the wide receiver screen. I'll, I'll throw it at DK Metcalf because he had the quiet first half. But it is it is the execution when the ball is not in your hands. That is, again, Jaron Reed, the execution when you're not the dude getting the sack. It's these assists that that sometimes go unnoticed, but they do not go unnoticed on three in, three out. So the MVC going to Metcalf and 
whoever that second blocker was, I want to say it's Lockett on that third and three little wide receiver screen to Moore. The big play on the touchdown drive that put us up 13-0. That was huge. That is your MVC. So, so on the the engraving, because uh, I need to send this in to get it off to the the, the Seahawks locker for the sure. engraving. Do I put DK Metcalf and this other dude that was blocking that we don't quite know his name? I, I it feels like kind of a long engraving, but I I just need to know if I go with that or if we need to do some research before I send off this reward. I think you go with that, the long engraving, and much like the Stanley Cup, we just add a layer. We just add, we just add a layer because we just, you have to, there's not enough surface area to go. Cause I mean, we just can't go back and watch the play because who has access? That's, that's too much time. All right, Brandon. So we are, you, you mentioned that, you know, we, we don't have time to go back and look at, look at tape to see who, who else should be on that NBC with, uh, with Metcalf. Somebody else can, somebody else, researchers can go do that. But what we will always have time for always is our favorite section from the flock. This is where you, the good people out there, can contribute your ins, your outs. But Brandon, why don't you remind the good people from the flock, of course, how can they get involved? What's the right ways? What's the ways? Yeah, if you want to get involved, be a part of our Discord group, you can go to getintheflock.com. Sign up at $3 a month. Help support this show. Help support the Seahawkers podcast. And you can you can get other value out of it, too, by being a part of the community and contributing on game day through the chat on Discord. Twelve dollars and above, you can be in the Facebook group and have daily chats with with others like minded Seahawks fans. And uh, it, it's just a good way to to feel a part of the fan community and enjoy the game with other fans as, as you know, we, we enjoy the season together as our Seahawks are going to the playoffs. Get in the Nice. Very nice. And it wasn't even just it wasn't just the Seahawks game, too. Like, for example, this week watching the, oh, I don't know, Rams Jets game, also hanging out in the discord and also conversing in the Facebook ring of honor before and after. And uh, and that was a joy and continues to to really, really pay off for my soul, which I love. Yeah, it was really easy as that Rams game was going on. And the Jets were were starting to stack up the points a little bit to where the people in the group were, you know, we're all getting on Discord going, oh, could could this happen? Uh, I'm starting to feel like a Jets fan right now. And so, yeah, it was it was a good place to congregate and, and celebrate that as well. Yeah, it was like a no hitter pushing into the fifth and then the sixth and the seventh inning. And you're like, all right, nobody screwed this up. <laughs> like, like, don't mention it. Don't move. And, you know, if you got to pee, hold, hold, hold your horseshoes, like right. stay where you are. So I kind of feel like the the global hawkra, you know, governed by the gravitational pull of the Discord, really, really won it for the Jets, which really won it for the Seahawks. Just, it is it is really take. all about our community as to why the Jets ultimately won. I, I do want to make that clear. Correct. So do do everyone a favor, chip in and and contribute at some level, right? Get involved, and then let's get the hawkra that much higher for what now is the biggest game of our season versus the Rams for the whole enchilada first place in the NFC West, a title we haven't had for far too many years, but you really, really got to bring back home. Got to do it. And that is where this NFC West title comes into play. You can get it done now against the Rams on Sunday. But before we get there, we got to recognize our members of the flock that were contributing either in Discord, either on Twitter at using the hashtag 3i30, tweeting at Clinton Bond, or, or posting them in the Facebook Ring of Honor group. And Clinton has 
compiled all of these, starting with in the Discord, Russell Wilson's sexy deep balls. That, of course, is Michael in San Diego. And he starts with the in going to Rashad Penny, making it back just over a year after he tore all of his CLs, two rushes for six yards. Clearly, they didn't factor him into the game plan and just wanted to get him some snaps. But let's give the kids some credit. I know Clinton Bonner is a penny hater, but suck it up and give him an in. I know it'll hurt you, but you can do it. Plus, I want to hear it come out of your mouth, even if it's only your voice reading it from the voices of the flock. Hashtag suck it. Hashtag go Aztecs. Hashtag breakfast is good from Michael Paul. And Michael, I'm sorry that I took this one. I know you wanted to hear Clinton read it, but it was the first one uh, in the lineup. And I, I usually start this thing off. We're on to Daniel Weinholz. Daniel's a great <laughs> hey, dude. Out of. You got to react to that, Glenn. <laughs> I, I tried, tried to pull, pull it off. Now, nah, love, love some Michael Paul. Hey, what I want from what I want from Penny is I want him to be healthy and I want him to be our clear number two who could be a game breaker in the playoffs. That's what I want. I bet that's that's his role. And I think he's better than Carlos Hyde. So that's where I'm at right now. And definitely congratulations on battling back from all the ACLs. You know what? And go Sun Devils while we're at it. How's that? Is that, is that I, I feel that like good? that's sufficient. And, and that's while sufficient? you're looking up your next one, Clinton, I just happened to pull up the play, the David Moore screenplay. And I'm glad we didn't engrave DK Metcalf's name onto this because Metcalf was not involved as a blocker on this. It was Tyler Lockett and it was Freddie Swain. Wow. So yes, okay. on, on that wide receiver screen, it's it's late in the show. I'm sure DK Metcalf in the players meeting is taking all the credit for, for getting a good block and getting the call out from you, Clinton. But no, it was Freddie Swain and Tyler Lockett. Well, see, the thing that was happening for me was the MVC was calling me, right? It was like, this is it. This is the one. And no wonder it wasn't the superstar, right? It wasn't DK with the seal or nothing like that. It was Lockett, a star in his own right, but it was the Swain trade. So even more of an MVC, super glad you went back and looked at it. Now we can get the right engraving and keep the right stature for the award, which is obviously in their locker rooms. So we're going to get to Daniel Weinholz now. He's at the 12th Dan with an underscore. So T-H-E-E underscore 12th Dan out on Twitter. He's also a member of, of the flock as well. He says, in, I've heard all week about the football team's vaunted defensive line. I thought Russell would be scrambling, getting sacked all game. Basically saying, super surprised. O-line held up really, really well and wants to give the love for, for the O-line. We talked about a boy he on the out, but on the flip side, and really, frankly, across the board, beautiful job. I know it was get the ball out fast and all these things, but you know what? That's actually what you call good game planning. So nice in there, Daniel. Good job. Moving on to an in from Schultz and Giggles, uh, uh, a person in the Discord we spent a lot of time talking about last week because Clinton had some confusion there. But Schultz and Giggles comes in with bringing in the sacks late like Santa. And yes, three sacks. On that final drive, you had one from Alton Robinson, you had one from LJ Collier, and then the third down from Carlos Dunlap. And yeah, they all came late and in uh, on the drive that they needed it the most. Nice to get again the meatloaf, right? Two out of the three being young dudes who have been like, well, Alton had a kind of a hitchy start to to his career. LJ had kind of had kind of almost had like a red shirt last year showing up in big moments of this year and being more and more consistent. 
And then you get the superstar with the with the finisher there. Nice work. John Ryan's face in the Discord, probably my probably my favorite name. There's a lot of fun names in the Discord. I think B Wag's biceps is another one of my favorites. But but John Ryan's face that he has, of course, the the face he made when he had the the amazing uh, you know the amazing touchdown conversion. Who was the old lineman who caught that ball? Refresh my memory. Oh gosh, that was Gary Gilliam. That was Gary yes, Gilliam. Gilliam. Yes. Yeah, so the the face that that Ryan makes as he's tossing that beautiful floater to to Gilliam for the touchdown that that started the comeback versus the Packers. So anyway, John Ryan's face. Thanks for doing that. It brings me joy every single time. He says, "In last time I heard Cedric Abuehi's, I guess he's saying name was when he was announced as the starting right tackle. I, what he's saying and meaning there is." We haven't heard his name all game long because the dude's just been taking care of business. Nice job. Yeah, way to correct that out that Clinton gave him earlier, uh, <laughs> John Ryan's face. Keone in the city comes in with an end saying the Jets getting their first win of the year against our division rivals. And oh my goodness, how sweet that was to watch the Rams take the L against the New York Jets. Yes, yes, indeed. We talked about it. J-E-T-S, the Rams suck. And something that doesn't suck ski hawk in the discord i like this in because you know what do they say brevity is the soul of wits right so he goes in reed dunlap adams carson dixon you know what i like most about that is we didn't talk about big balls dixon once in this entire broadcast dixon had a couple of beautiful punts he had that coffin corner way early in the game pinned it back like the four yard line it's nice to give some love to the punter Yes, Michael Dixon definitely deserved to be called out for his big bunts in this game. And let's continue this in train Clinton with Jamie W2 DK showing he isn't human. After looking like his knee was done, he just limps off, shrugs it off and carries on playing as if nothing happened. Animal. Yeah, it, it complete. And, and by the way, did we all not like collectively you know, gasp and grab our own knees going like, oh my gosh, that, that looked, it looked so, da- it looked bad, looked dangerous. His, his leg is gigantic. He's got like a, like literally like a giraffe style. Like it's huge. He's got a long ass long. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big gentleman. And I thought it was like, oh dude, I think he hyperextended did something. You know, it was, it was like, thank the maker. Yeah. Shook and it then off, he trots out, out there and there. catches four passes for 37 yeah. yards in the second half. Then he got then he got going. So we got Boom Shakalaka out on Twitter, which is just fantastic. Uh, he goes by at Boom Shaka Maui, which that's kind of fun on Twitter. So look him up. He gives the end done lap. Also calls out the Superman sack, but he says epic hang time. Boom Shakalaka's got this like beautiful Seattle Supersonics logo. So I'm thinking about hang time, thinking about the Rain Man himself, thinking about Sean Kemp bringing it down, and that makes you smile. I like that. Man, for as disappointed as the fan base felt after the game, I feel like we are just rolling through the ends. I'm going back to back ends, starting with Design Pete's Beach House in seven quarters, not allowing a touchdown. That was at the half. It moved to eight quarters after shutting them out again in the third quarter. So thanks to Amy there. And then it becomes with an in for Hyde's 50 yard touchdown run longest by a Seahawks running back this year. Yes, it was. He says, I tried. I think I tried researching it. Yes, you have to go back to last year against the Eagles where Rashad Penny had the 58 or 59 yard touchdown run against the Eagles. So Hyde's definitely the longest run this year for a touchdown. 
nice job by Idby, at least trying to research it versus what I did earlier and having to get rescued by my partner here. So I, I applaud that, which is which is a good job. All right, we got to get to it now. Got to break the streak. Decaf Metcalf fan club, who is of course Lisa in Seattle in the in the Discord. She goes out mother effing third down defense. She's throwing it down, saying, "Come on, that that last like quarter and a half." It was one of those things where all of a sudden Haskins looking like Kurt Warner from like the uh, 2000, 2001 Rams all of a sudden. So feeling that Lisa, hey, somebody had to bring us back to earth. So, you know, Lisa, she's she's the realist because she's a realist. Way to censor yourself, Lisa, by putting a star where the where the U is in that uh, in the effing part. Uh, Six of nine, 67 percent. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head with the Seahawks inability to really shut the football team down on third down going on and back into the in column with schmick at mickey swank in getting the run game going crucial against teams with good defensive lines jonathan golden so at jonathan golden out on twitter good to see him there he's got like a nice 1970s uh late 70s cut there and this great looking picture i think that's him as a child i, I hope it's him and, and not some other rando child he says pass rush showing up at the right time on the WFT, the last second and third downs. We talked about that whole series. However, a beautiful call out there. Hey, it's a big thing when you can turn it on when you need it most and you can get home. This team, a couple of years ago, just could never, we just couldn't get home. So it was a little bit struggling in the middle, middle of the game. And when we needed to turn it up, we did so. We got home. Jonathan's calling it out, and I like it. All right, flying through these. I'm going to go back-to-back ins once again. You got Ryan Peterson at rryan911 on Twitter, channeling Michael Paul, giving the in to Rashad Penny, making it back, and also B-Wag's biceps with the in again. The Jets game on Discord. This was this was a fun time, and B-Wag's biceps going with the in, not even pointing to the Seahawks game, but pointing to the fact that the in goes to the look in frat boy McVay's eyes when the mighty jets went into victory formation. Oh, it was, it was something to, to behold. And I, I loved every, every second of it. And I hope we get to uh, replay that in just like six more days from now. Right. Well, by the time you're listening, maybe five more days from now. So, but that, that was a thing of beauty. Let's play it again. Sammy, would you? So we got another in from Aaron Fisher in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. This is kind of neat. He goes in Jamal and Dunlap getting to celebrate a playoff clinch. Finally, very, very cool feeling for those dudes. These are two ballers. These are dudes who, you know, you saw Jamal Adams after the game. The dude's beaming. He's like, whatever. Yeah, we won by five. Cool. Whatever. They got back in the game. Yeah, awesome. We're going to the freaking playoffs, man. So that kind of vibe, that kind of energy, going to love and call that out every single time. So great job there, Aaron. And out from Biscuit saying uh, a combination in and out. Offense looked kind of bad in the second half, whatever the reason. After testing fate with DK's scary-looking knee thing, they managed to get out of that hellhole without major injury of a starter. Sorry to DJ Dallas. Bridget says, do whatever you need to do to finish this game with a win. Don't care how ugly or pretty. Just get out of there as healthy as possible. And and yes, it, it was a bummer to see Dallas go down. Fortunately, it was not a break. It's only a sprain, so... The Seahawks get out of that game relatively healthy. There's history that goes along with that field of the Washington football team on FedEx field, and they they got out of it relatively healthy. 
and Bridget coming in there with the combination in out. Putting the biscuit in the basket. Nice job there, Bridget. B-Wags biceps, another in. He says, you know, the, the unfortunate flag to KJ. We'll talk about that real quick. But he goes, another unsung hero type effort from KJ there. You know what? He's right. Like, you know, KJ is in the shadow of, of Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is the Hall of Famer. What KJ Wright is, is a really, really good football player. And he's been showing out this year and playing really great. Quickly, quickly, that KJ Wright quote unquote penalty, that was absolute garbage. Like there is a rule on the books that if the ball carrier lowers his head and initiates contact with the crown of his head, then you can't flag the defender for hitting the head when the guy is using his head as a battering ram and KJ put his shoulder into the guy's freaking head. So it was mind-blowing. They didn't pick up the, the flag. Mind-blowing. They didn't reverse the play. And it was so frustrating because it was a 15-yarder. And that was one of, uh, I think, one of the Redskins' uh, scoring drives. Oh, you got We're the hat trick. You did it, oh, Clinton. Oh, my gosh. We knew it was coming. I, I, this, I'm on my second beer, which means I'm in that buzz zone. And the hat trick, I feel pain. I'm going to dang it. Dang it. Ugh, I don't even know what to say. I'm Shame sorry on. to call you out for it, but, uh, you know, You're it, not it, sorry. you dialed you me were in waiting. on it early on. And uh, <laughs> yeah. here well, we this are. Has this here has been a are. long episode. I've said I've said the R word three times now. And it's, I've gotten it out of my system. The stupidly, even for a season named Washington football team, I've, I've, it's out of my system. That's like kind of saying Beetlejuice three times. I shan't say it anymore. And because we're running out of time and it's about time to get on out of here. Who do we close this out with, Clinton? Oh, we got to go to Bloomy. We close it out with Bloomy. And yes, OK, we're running long. We had so many great submissions. I think Clinton sent like 30 over. I, I tried to to turducken as many ends as I could <laughs> in inside of others. But we got to close this out with Hong Kong Hawk, our closer coming in with an out. Yes, we had so many ends that we're closing this out with an out. And the out goes to Blair Walsh, who single-handedly cost Russell Wilson the honor of being the only quarterback to lead his team to the playoffs in his first nine years. And, and yes, it pains me every single time to hear Blair Walsh's name. And after a day where Jason Myers kicked his way into the record books once again for the Seahawks with the most consecutive field goals made, he's already there for the longest field goal from this season. And yeah, just it's the painful reminder of Blair Walsh costing the Seahawks an opportunity to go to the playoffs, probably costing Russell Wilson MVP votes that season, a narrative that we've heard so much this season. And that's all piled up into Hong Kong Hawks out here. And Jay Cool also talked about Myers. We didn't get to, to say thank you for that, but great job on that one. And back to Bloomy. You know what? That's on Schneider. I'll still I'll still hang that one on Schneider because you you can't see a dude do what he did on the opposite field and shank a ball and then say, you know what? Why don't you come kick for us this next year? So that's a long distance, you know, in the distance out that Schneider's got to wear. But Bloomy, you're right, man. That dang Blair Walsh cost Russ another another record. But you know what record he did get, Brandon? He did become the most winningest QB of all time in the first nine seasons of a career. And that's a, uh, I don't know about you. I mean, yard, yards are all that matter, but, but wins, wins are pretty important too. Wins are important too. And yes, many people will point out that he did that with the LOB in the first part of his career, but it's, 
It's the consistency with the defense, with the coaching, with, with the Russell Wilson greatness over the years. Russell Wilson getting that record. He earned it. And yes, a, a great way to close this out since, yeah, since Bloomy tried to bring us down with an out. Hey, and into Russell Wilson for another great season. All right, Brandon, for the first time ever, we talked about the, the years and years of this, this, the 2020 year of innovation. I'm going to kick us into a little extra innings, maybe a little OT if we want to stay within, within the game itself. But you're talking about winning. So I want to just quickly, now we're getting down to the last two weeks. We got a chance to, we, we, we made the playoffs. We got a chance to capture the division title and maybe a two seed, still a shot at the one seed. Brandon, I want to do a little quick thing with you that I, I'm calling sliding, stalling, or surging. This will be rapid fire. These are the NFC teams. There's a, there's the, there's a reason I'm bringing this to the forefront. I want to see if we kind of get, get to the same conclusions that, that, that I got to. So Brandon, real quick, Minnesota Vikings, sliding, stalling, or surging? Lost to the Bears, they're sliding. Okay. Chicago Bears, sliding, stalling, or surging? Ooh, see, they're going the opposite direction. They're surging. Okay, the uh, I agree. The Bears are kind of surging. All right, Arizona Cardinals, SSRS. They're stalling. Yeah. I'm not going to say I mean, they that got, they did anything great against that win over the Eagles. I mean, they, Murray looks good, right? He's back. He's Murray running looked the ball. okay. He had to D-hop they, they with were, a great catch. Yeah. They are more dangerous with Murray healthy. We'd be fools not to not just call it what it is. However, there's no way I put them in the surging category. So, yeah, you know, they're kind of stalling. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, SSRS. Oh, they got the win, but gosh, they're stalling down the stretch, aren't they? They are stalling. They are absolutely stalling. They're not sliding. That's not a, that's not a surge in my book. All right. The Washington football team, because I won't say it again. <laughs> You had to get it in there. They are, you know what? I, I'm going to say even in the loss, they're surging. They're on their way to getting that division win. And I hope that it's the Rams that face them in the first round of the playoffs. Well, that's that's who's up next. Rams sliding, stalling or surging. They're stalling down the stretch, aren't they? With they, the, uh, they the loss to the Jets. Sure are. Can't lose to the Jets and be surging. That That's for dang sure. All right. Our Seattle Seahawks sliding, stalling or surging. Ooh, this might be the toughest one out of all. Uh, I feel like they're stalling down the stretch, but they have an opportunity to finish with a surge. 100% agree with you. We are kind of in neutral right now. We are stalling. All right. New Orleans Saints. They're sliding. They had the number one seed and they are sliding their way out of it. It's probably going to end up with the Packers. Yep. Okay. So Green Bay Packers, SSRS. I feel like they're surging. They're, they are going to be on their way to the number one seed. Most likely the one, they are surging. If you watch the Carolina Panthers game, they had a very, very similar game that we just had versus Washington where blowing a team out, let an inferior team back in, hang on for a victory. But I agree with you. We, we matched up exactly the same exact way. All right, so the Bears, that's actually a team I really wouldn't and the actually... the Packers face them week 17. That is, there we go. Uh, let's see... Let's see th- that's going to be a game to watch for Seahawks fans in the discord group. Just as we were rooting for the jets against the Rams. I, I just hope that we're rooting for the bears against the Packers in that week 17 game. Yeah, that, that would be a nice thing. If we, if we are rooting, for, if it means something, that'd be a darn cool one to watch. The point being is the NFC isn't some murderer's row this year. It's not like we can't figure it out for a whole game. The defense got a lot better. I know the opponents have not been the best we face, but that's that's the stretch of schedule. Our defense is playing good. Our offense looked really good for a half. Okay, second half kind of crapped the bed. 
It's just, we have time to still figure this out. We're healthy. Even go look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 13 and one. They just lost their starting running back. Their average yards were something like four and a half per, per attempt last game versus the Saints. They win the game. The Chiefs are a special team, but even them at 13 and one are not immune. They're not perfect. You know, there's no perfect team in the NFL this year. The NFC is wide open. All right, the Packers may be the cream of the crop. You tell me we can't beat them on any given Sunday? You tell me we can't go toe-to-toe and beat the Saints in an NFC Championship game? This is wide open. The point being is, don't be down there with 10 and 4 that we clinched the playoff spot. Be like Jamal. Be fired up. Be hyped. And let's go riding at these last two weeks. Let's go take care of business versus the Rams and capture this, this division title. Bring that back to the PNW and then go on to bigger and better things. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Final in. All right. It's the final in down. <laughs>